Good morning. I try to do that to kind of wake you up, you know, so you know we're here and it's time to wake up and all of that stuff. Thank the music team for leading us in the worship today. Do a great job, don't they? I'm C.J. Langton. If you came for Pastor Brad to be preaching today, he's not here. He's on vacation with his family. And from the Facebook pictures I've seen, they're having a great time. So God bless him. You know, I come today not as a super Christian who has it all together. And I know you say, well, pastors are supposed to be that way. Well, let me tell you, we don't. We don't have it all together. I come as a believer who, who struggles a lot. I struggle with faith. For me, doubt comes a lot easier than faith does. Faith is hard. I struggle with sin. When I have the best of intentions, I end up doing the wrong thing. Sometimes I end up doing the evil thing. You know, even though I would like to always walk the straight and narrow, I find myself in the ditch and the muck and the mire down there and need somebody or something to pull me out. For me, Christianity is not about just songs of praise and glory and happiness and victory. For me, Christianity has a lot to do with struggle. Struggle with temptation, struggle with sin, struggle with me, because I'm the main cause of most of my problems. And today I want to share with you some of the things I have learned in that struggle. And today I'll specifically be talking about the things I've learned about temptation. When I was a child, my dad was in the Army. We lived a lot of different places. When I was in the second grade, we lived in El Paso, Texas, right across from Juarez there. And my family made some friends of some Hispanic people, and we'd be invited to their home, sometimes on this side of the river, sometimes on the other side. Well, this time we were invited to go to a home on the other side of the river, and they were having a birthday party. And they had the big pinata there with all, filled with all the candy, and somebody takes a stick and blindfolded and swings it and breaks it, and all the candy comes pouring out. Well, since um, we were guests there that day, I got to be the kid with the stick and the blindfold. I thought that was an honor. Only when the thing broke did I figure out, you know, the kid with the stick and the blindfold can't get all the candy. <laughs> Everybody else is in there ahead of him, you know. But anyway, we went through that, and I finally missed it several times, finally broke it. Everybody scrambled for the candy. I got rid of my blindfold, got rid of my stick, and I was able to get in there and start getting the candy. I got a pretty good sack full, even though I was a little late. So I'm off on the side, you know, and I'm looking over all this candy I've got. And this lady comes over to me and says, let me see your candy. So, man, I'm proud. I'm showing it off, you know, how much I got. She looks in the bag, and she points at some pieces of candy, about as big as the end of your little finger, and pink. And she says, don't eat that. Well, you know, that's not good news. That's bad news. Don't eat that. So, man, I get to looking at this candy I've got that I'm not supposed to eat. And I see her go off to my mom and dad, and they come over, and they said, let us see your candy. I'm not near as glad to show it off this time because I know something's going on with my candy, you know. They look in it and point to the same candy and say, don't eat that. In fact, come over here, and they begin to go through my candy and pick this out. And there's a big bowl on this table with that kind of candy in it. They put that in that bowl. They give me some more to take the place of what they're taking. But, you know, I'm fascinated with this candy that I can't have. <laughs> They've warned me about it. I've got a whole bag. 
And I keep eyeing that table over there and that candy, and I see some adults go over there and get the candy, so I kind of, you know, how you, as a kid, you saunter around like nobody's seeing you and nobody knows what you're doing. So I get over there, and I reach out a hand when I'm not looking at no one's, get me one. Saunter back over this way, pop it in my mouth, tastes pretty good. Nice, sweet taste to it, you know. And so I think, I don't know what the big mess is about around here. I'm going to get me some more of that. So I go back over there, and I get me a pretty good handful. And I go back, and I've got my handful, and I think, they're going to catch me with this handful of candy. Then I'll be in trouble. Pop it all in my mouth. Well, I suck on it. Boy, it tastes good. And I begin to feel, you know, it feels like you're getting down, and there's some soft, gooey stuff in the middle. And I thought, mmm, that's the good stuff, you know. Inside there's this good, soft, gooey stuff that's going to be fantastic. So, man, I begin to chew this stuff up, and it hits me. I mean, it is hot. It is on fire. My mouth is burning. I'm crying. I'm spluttering. I have had some candy-coated red pepper, and it is burning me up. My mom and dad come over, you know, we told you not to eat that candy, you know, and all this stuff, and trying to help me with it. But there I am. I'm in a mess with this stuff. I was caught, and I couldn't get it out of my mouth. I couldn't stop the burning. I just had it. And I finally discovered what they'd been warning me about, not to eat that candy. It looked good. It tasted good initially. But underneath, it would burn you up. Now, I believe that that's a pretty good illustration of the way temptation and sin operates in our life. You know, temptation comes along, it catches our eye. We don't think it looks too bad. We see other people doing it. They seem to be enjoying it. We take a closer look, it still looks good, and other people are out having a good time with it, and it doesn't seem to be hurting them. And we take a nibble, and it tastes good. So we have another nibble, and it tastes better. And we get a whole mouthful of it, but before long, we get through the candy coating, and we get burned. Sin never appears as it really is. Satan always candy coats it. It shows a face much more appealing than it really is. It promises something fun and good, but it ends in destruction and ultimately in death. Look with me to James chapter 1. Verses 13 through 16. I'm reading this morning from the NLT. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they're dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin... And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Don't be deceived. As this scripture pictures it, sin begins within us. See, by our own evil desire. Now, there's an object, there's something that we see out there that's temptation. But not every person is drawn to that. Not every person is drawn to that in the same way that we are. It begins in us. And then the object of temptation comes along. And we begin to look at that, just as I looked at the candy. And the, the longer we look at it, the more that desire begins to grow. 
and to grow. And then we end up getting involved in it. And, and it's nice, it's good. But what happens? The Bible says that when it is full grown, it ends up in death. Now, no person that starts with temptation believes that the end result is going to be death, destruction of you, your family, your loved ones, other things. We don't believe that. We don't think that. But that's the end process. When we get to the end, that is what Satan has in mind. That's the way he's trying to get us to go. Satan comes, acts this way, see? The word that's used here in Titus is a fishing term. And, and Satan puts the bait out there. Our own evil desire makes us want it. We look out there at it. And, and the bait, it may be sex, it may be drugs, it may be a lot of things, but for you it's an attraction. And, and we get our mind off of it, and every once in a while Satan twitches it. And boy, our attention goes back to it immediately. We're looking at it. And after he twitches it a few times and we think about it more, we're just like that fish. We strike. And Satan is smart. Just like you as a fisherman, when the fish first hits your bait, you don't jerk it out of his mouth, do you? You let him run with it. And only when he's got it firmly in his mouth, you set the hook. Now, you know, I've never been a bass. I like to fish for them. I don't catch many. But um, I've never been a bass. But can you imagine how foolish he feels when that that he's watched, that he's wanted, that he's desired, he goes after it, and it ends up being a piece of plastic metal, and he's got it in his mouth, and there's a hook in it, and he can't get rid of it because it's got him, got him good. That's the way the Bible says that we are with sin, see? It only causes hurt and pain, and when the fisherman gets the fish, what does he do? He starts reeling him in. And the fish is going someplace he doesn't want to go with pain in his mouth that he doesn't want to have, and he ends up in somebody's skillet. Satan wants to destroy you, and he uses temptation and sin to do it. That's the only thing Satan wants for you. Get you in a position where he can hook you, catch you, and take you someplace that you really don't want to go. Now, what do we do about it? First of all, realize this. Temptation is not sin. When you're tempted to do something, you're tempted to sin, and you resist, that's a victory. You just won a spiritual battle. That's a good thing. But what does Satan do? Satan immediately says, I can't get him to do it. He's going to round to the other, sneak around to the other ear, and he's going to be able to say, man, you must be a foul, evil person to even think that way. You even consider doing that. You thought about those things. You must be an evil person. And Satan tries to take that temptation that you've resisted that was a victory and tries to turn it around until you feel defeated. He's a sneaky guy, let me tell you. When you're tempted, and when you overcome that temptation, do a little victory dance when you cut through, man. That's a wonderful thing. You've, you succeeded. God has given you the power. Second thing when you're tempted is this. Focus on God to help you. 
The other rest of the time, where is your focus? Your focus is on the temptation. More and more and more as he tries to entice you, you focus on that. Begin to focus on God. Look with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Be looking at verses 12 through 13. And I'll be reading this from the message, and I believe it's up there from the message. Don't be so naive and self-confident. You're not exempt. You could, fall, you could fall flat on your face as easily as anyone else. Forget about self-confidence. It's useless. Cultivate God-confidence. No test or temptation that comes your way is beyond the course of what others have had to face. All you need to remember is that God will never let you down. He'll never let you be pushed past your limit. He'll always be there to help you come through it. This reminds us. It's all about grace. What is grace? God's action on our behalf that we don't deserve. If you we depend upon ourselves, we're going to fall flat on our face. If we could have handled temptation on our own, Jesus didn't need to come and die on the cross. We could have resisted it and gone on through life. We wouldn't need forgiveness or anything. Jesus came, and he came to earth, and he lived on earth as a human being. He took on human form, and the Bible says that he is tempted in every way that you are, but without sin. When Jesus lived here on earth, he broke the power that temptation and sin has in our life. Then because of the cross, he can forgive us our sins, and his spirit... The Holy Spirit comes to live within us. His Spirit living within us gives us the same victory that he had when he was here on earth. See, we talk a lot in church about being saved. And by that term, we often mean saved from hell. When we die, we won't go to hell, we'll go to heaven. And that's part of what salvation is all about. Salvation has to do with more than that. Jesus Christ did not die on the cross just so that you could go to heaven. I said just. You will go to heaven if you trust in him. Jesus died on the cross so that his, and rose again so that his spirit can come and live within you. And you can have victory in this life, in the here and now and the present. Jesus came to save you from your sin, yes, those that you've already committed, but his power is at work within you to save you from those you haven't committed. And he will help you to overcome those things and not get involved. Why? Because he doesn't want you to go through the hurt and the pain that comes with sin. Now, that spirit living within us helps us to overcome temptation. We talk about being, people being addicted to drugs and alcohol. Let me tell you, I am addicted to sin. It's part of my human nature. I am addicted to sin. And Christ came to set me free. Now, many people battle those temptations. Man, I have. Man, I'm going to get better. I may have did it that last time, but I'm not going to do it the next time. You ever said that? And what happened? Bait is cast out there. 
He twitches it a few times. And I go for it again. I go out and I bite again. And I'm hooked again. And I suffer again. We lived in, in Florida. Our, our son, Kevin, came to visit us. And he'd heard that we have those peacock bass down there in the lake near our house. He, he heard that there were some there. He was determined he was going to catch one of those peacock bass. So he came and he was ready to go. And he went out fishing and he cast that thing struck his line, peacock bass struck his line. It didn't even slow down. Quang, that line came into, and the fish took off with his bait and hook. He put him another bait and hook on. He threw it out there. Same thing happened. That fish took that line and took off. He came in the house, barred one of my poles that has a heavier line and all on it. He went back out there. He cast out there. He, that fish struck it again. With that heavier line, he was able to put, reel that fish in. He got it in. It had three hooks in his mouth. You know, that's a dumb fish. <laughs> three times he's gone after it, and he's got something stuck in his mouth. I'm about that dumb. You know, I've done it before. I probably got more than three hooks in my mouth. And I need some relief. And only the presence of Jesus Christ can give us that. I felt the hook. But I've learned the truth of this passage. It's not about me. As long as I am determined that I am going to overcome temptation, I'm determined that I am not going to sin. As this scripture said, I fall flat on my face. And I feel the burn, and I feel the hook again. What does it say to develop God confidence? See, it's a matter of faith. When I begin to believe that these scriptures are true, not only are they true, I believe, and I believe a lot of things in the Bible are true, but when it comes down to believing them for me, <laughs> in my situation, that's a different thing. But I have found that, yes, when I say, God, I cannot handle this, I cannot overcome this, I will do it again and again and again and again, you've got to help me. You know what happens? He says, okay, I was just waiting for you to ask. And when I ask him and I look to him in faith and believe that it'll happen, it does. Because of me? No, because of his spirit that lives within me he has helped me to overcome some things now is it still a battle yeah it's an ongoing battle 73 years and I'm still battling it but I win more that now than I used to because Jesus gives me the victory today we're coming to a communion service the elements that we participate in this day at this table Reminds us of what I've been talking about. The bread is to remind us of, of that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. There's no sin too big for Jesus to forgive. There's no sin too horrible for Jesus to forgive. Those things that have kept us bound up, he can free us from. He will forgive every one of those sins when we come to him. And a part of this table... It's for us now, during this service, to think about those sins we've committed.
and ask him to forgive us of those sins. The cup represents the very life of Jesus given for us. But it is through his life, his risen life, as he comes to live within us, that makes his life available to us and in us. And his life living in and through us can do far more than we can do by, by determination. He gives us the strength to free us from those things that have kept us chained. Those things in our life that have kept us from becoming the person that God created us to be and that we want to be. When we drink and eat of these elements, they become a part of us. When we look to faith in Jesus Christ, he becomes a part of us. His spirit lives within us. And when we look to him for victory, he will grant us that victory. It will still be a battle, but he'll be with us in the battle. And through him, we can overcome.